0: Hi, this is Jackson Michael of The Game Before the Money. I was elated to connect with Raiders Hall of Fame head coach Tom Flores, a man that I've wanted to interview for a long time. He coached the Raiders to victories in two Super Bowls and was an assistant on John Madden's staff for the Raiders' win in Super Bowl XI. What many people don't know is that Tom Flores also played quarterback for the Oakland Raiders back in the old American Football League days. He was the franchise's very first starting quarterback in 1960, threw the first touchdown pass in team history, and led the Raiders to their first victory, a 14-13 win over the Houston Oilers. In 1963, he threw 11 touchdown passes over two games, five against the Denver Broncos and six against against the Houston Oilers. It wasn't until 2004 when Dante Culpepper threw five touchdowns in consecutive games that a quarterback threw at least five in two games straight. Ben Roethlisberger broke the record with 12 touchdowns over two games with six in each, but Tom Flores and Tom Brady are tied for second with 11. Over the course of the interview, we spoke about Coach Flores' afl playing career which concluded with him being a member of the kansas city chiefs when the team won super bowl four we also discussed his coaching career including the backstories behind famous super bowl plays we also spoke about his college career at pacific the 2021 ncaa record book lists tom flores as the national leader in passing efficiency in 1956 a statistic that wasn't kept in those days, but is calculated now. When Hall of Fame coach Dick Vermeil interviewed on episode 49 of the Game Before the Money podcast, he stated that he first met Coach Flores while trying out for the Pacific football team in the 1950s. So you'll hear more about that in this interview, in which portions originally aired on the Game Before the Money radio show, which airs each Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, nationwide on the Sports Map Radio Network and on the Sports Map Radio app. You can also read great football history articles on the gamebeforethemoney.com. My interview with Coach Flores started off by discussing his early years and his college career at Pacific. Hey, you grew up in uh, Sanger, California? Is that, that's near Fresno, yep. from what I understand? Yep.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah.
0: How did you get started in sports?
1: Well, I just started playing at elementary school level. I played. I always played sports or worked or you know, I was always throwing something—dirt uh, clods or rocks or baseball, football, basketball—and uh, everything was just fun. Any team sport was always fun.
0: And did you follow pro or college football when you were growing up?
1: No, we didn't even have a TV until my senior year in high school. The NFL wasn't what it is today, and by far the only time we saw TV was maybe on Saturday afternoon when we went to the movies and we saw the newsreel. And they were we usually the, uh, East Coast teams: uh, Army, Navy, Doc Blanchard, Glenn Davis, Frank Trapuca, those guys. And um, you know, they were ancient people; I don't remember them now? But that was the only time we saw football, other than. Once in a while, we saw a West Coast strip of West Coast film.
0: And then um, you ended up playing at Pacific. How did, how did you get to Pacific?
1: Originally, I really wanted to go to Stanford, but I didn't take the right classes. Got good grades, but I didn't take the, the right classes, so I had to, they, they wouldn't accept me. None of the big schools on the West Coast would, would take me, so I went back to uh, junior college to fulfill my requirements and um, when I went back to junior college well that's when the doors really shut down because they just said no we're not going to take any junior college transfers to Stanford or USC or Cal any of those big schools.
0: So you're at Pacific and a while back I got to interview Coach Meal and he said that uh, he showed up there um and tried out he he they moved him to running back because you're at quarterback he said that's how you met do you, mm-hmm. do you remember that what do you remember about that
1: i'm surprised he remembered it because i don't i don't remember we, in those days we were young uh, there was a lot of kids coming and then a lot of kids going home at night while everybody was sneaking out homesick or um, just looking around and seeing if they didn't have a chance to of- and he was one of those. The odd thing behind that is that I had agreed to go to San Jose State and changed my mind at the last minute.
0: Oh, wow. And then he ended up going to San Jose State.
1: Yeah. And then we became uh, rivals in our big game of the year. When we played in my junior and senior years, we went head to head.
0: Did you guys break even? Did you, did you win both of those? Do you remember how they turned out?
1: Oh, yeah. We won both of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, you did. You did. Yep. Yeah. Pacific had a pr- really good football program back then. Eddie um, LeBaron played there before you. I think Dick Bass was your teammate. Yeah. And and Moose Myers was your college coach. What what was Moose Myers like?
1: Moose was a good coach. He was a tough coach, old school kind of coach. Uh, in those days, we had to go both ways, so we, we had to play defense and offense. And Moose was—he's uh, fair, but he was a tough leader, and he, and he was a likable guy. Everybody played a hard for Moose.
0: And then was fifty-seven your senior year?
1: Fifty-seven,
0: yeah. So you ended up leaving a few years before the AFL. What, what did you do in between?
1: College. Well, I, hurt, I hurt my shoulder. My, I hurt my shoulder my, my, in fifty-seven, and uh, so I played my entire last year there with a um, sore shoulder and then when i went to i went to canada in 58 and uh after spending about two months there i just couldn't do it because my arm would get sore and i couldn't lift it and i had to take some time off and so they let me go they sent me home and uh went back to Pacific and had surgery on that shoulder and then missed the uh, 59 season. And then I uh, came back in uh, 1960 when the uh, American football league started and said, well, I'll give it one more shot.
0: And it's a good thing that you did.
1: Yeah, it was. I was working on my master's at the time in graduate school. And uh I had to tell my mom that I turned down a job in my hometown area of Fresno and she was very happy about
0: that now you mentioned you you went back to pacific were you were you there in the 1958 season
1: yeah i was there i was a graduate student and i helped uh, moose myers see i worked for moose i knew him a little better than a lot of other people but we were a small squad we didn't have a lot of uh, players like some of these guys and we only had five coaches so uh, unlike today So we all knew our head coach very well. But Moose did a lot of things for me. He brought me back. Every time I failed, he brought me back. He paid for another surgery to have. There wasn't anything that we wouldn't have done for him.
0: Tom Flores was the first starting quarterback in Raiders history. We next spoke about his American Football League playing career, which also included stints on the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. We later discussed his coaching career with the Raiders first as an assistant coach coaching wide receivers under head coach John Madden and later as the Raiders head coach. The Raiders won two Super Bowls with coach Flores at the helm Super Bowl 15 over the Philadelphia Eagles coached by Dick Vermeil, and Super Bowl 18 over the Washington Redskins coached by Joe Gibbs. As you listen You'll want to remember that Washington had a running back named Joe Washington, who stood as a key part of their offense at the time. How did you uh, first find out about the Raiders?
1: I got a call one day from a guy named Mary George, who had coached at Pacific, and Eddie Burn had played at Pacific. And a lot of these coaches that were on the Washington Redskins, or actually a lot of these coaches that were in. In football, we found out later, uh, I had coached, or come through Pacific one way or another, and now we're involved in National Football League. So he recommended me because I knew him, and we played in uh, college uh, alumni games together. So that's how I got the tryout.
0: And you tried out, and um, and you made the team. What do you think uh, happened in camp that, or the preseason that, that kind of made you the starter?
1: Well, I was well. My shoulder it was still sore a little bit, but it was healed to a point where I was able to compete. Plus, it was a team of a, a bunch of guys who loved the game, wanted to play, and, and we weren't being judged by our medals, being judged by what, what they were seeing.
0: You started the first Raider game ever, and you threw the the first ever touchdown pass in, in team history. I know that. How about that? <laughs> 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 yeah, what was what was the first AFL game like that you remember?
1: Well, it was in, in San Francisco, the first league game, and it was colder
0: now.
1: <laughs> we had to play night games because uh, I guess any television that we got it was dictated by the, the stations, uh, same as it is today. But, but we had no television money like they have today. So we played a lot of night games at the Stadium we didn't have a stadium of our own uh, until 1962 so we had to play in San Francisco we were the Oakland Raiders playing in
0: other towns it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of ironic mm-hmm. um, now in the, the the first game that the Raiders won you threw a uh, a late touchdown pass against the Oilers in Houston and you guys won 14 13. Do you do you remember that or?
1: No, I remember that because you know, that was not a lot of scoring, and usually was when you played Houston, you had a chance to score a lot of points. George Blander was the quarterback for Houston at that time, and um, they were wide open. We were trying to be wide open, but that was that was a good game for us. Nineteen sixty was a good year because we won six games.
0: It's pretty good for a team that got into the league that late. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because originally um, it was the Minnesota franchise.
1: Yeah, sure was. Yeah, in fact, the guys were asking me, "Where is Oakland?" I said, "I don't know. Over there, by by the bay. <laughs> you know, Where's San On the other side of the bay." <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, um, Coach, you missed nineteen sixty two. Is that was that because of your shoulder?
1: That was because of a lung a lung infection I had and they, they figured it out years ago i had tb at some point in my life and it uh, kind of popped its head up a little bit and then and then it went away but it, it cost me an entire year
0: and then um that next year 63 al davis shows up as as head coach what do, what do you remember first about him
1: well i remember hearing a lot about him i bet him when he was at usc as an assistant coach and he had you know, come through the school on a scouting mission, but I didn't, you know, particularly know much about him other than his reputation was up and down by other guys who didn't like him because of the way you know, he was so tenacious in his recruiting and uh, scouting. But he loved the game, and when I met him, I, I liked what he was preaching. as far as the offense, wide open offense, it was a beautiful offense.
0: And I noticed the last two games of 1963 you threw 11 touchdown passes in two games. You had five against the Broncos and then six against the Oilers. Yep. And that, that was, you know, the Broncos' secondary was pretty tough. They had Willie Brown. They had Goose Goslin.
1: Yeah, they had a few players, but we, none of us had enough players. Uh, none of us on the bottom had enough players. Houston, the Texans, uh, now the Chiefs, the uh, Chargers, they had more of the players the rest of us just had you know three or four players that could play and the rest of the in.
0: but uh throwing six touchdowns in a game do you remember what the secret was that day or
1: houston was a blessing team and so we had some plays especially for that if they chose to use the bus and uh, it worked and it worked and it kept working and they kept listening we kept throwing
0: and from what I've heard, I I got to talk to Cotton Davidson a few years ago. He said that that Al Davis was really good at preparing you guys going into the game against against certain defenses.
1: Yeah, he was. He was just. You know, we used to meet with him. Uh, quarterbacks met with him. You know, two nights a week and during the day and, and the night before the game. And you know, we called our own plays, but he designed them and and we practiced them and we were ready. We were ready in most cases, yeah, unless we were just totally out of man, which in many cases we were, too.
0: And in 65, you got Fred Belitnikov in the draft. Yep. What, what do you remember about him coming in?
1: I remember he was a raw, little skinny guy, quick as hell, great brake speed, incredible hands, not a speedster, but fast enough, and he could catch anything that was even close to him. And competitive like very few people that I never
0: met before. And then you were traded to Buffalo? Um, yeah. how did you find out you were traded?
1: I got a call from the general manager at that time, Scotty Sterling, a good friend of mine. And he you know, it was it was around draft time. So I, I thought he'd call me, just to let me know, you know, who he had drafted, but he he called me called me to tell me that I had been traded. I said, Oh no. I didn't want to go anywhere. I knew that we were getting close to winning because I've seen our team grow and get better.
0: But you did end up on a Super Bowl winning team with the Chiefs. How did you end up in Kansas City?
1: I was in Buffalo for two years. I won a starting job. First game of the year, I hurt my knee against the Jets. And from then on, it went downhill. And then my second year, I got hurt again the third year they just uh, they let me go john Roush had gotten there as a head coach and he was my coach in oakland when they traded me saying so he and i didn't hit it off eye to eye, i guess i don't know why but the way it was so i had um i had that reputation that my shoulder was still hurt bothering me so the Chiefs had an opening when lenny dawson got hurt i came in worked out for Hank Stram, and he said you can still throw the balls so we'll sign She he was you for lenny as a security
0: what was that super bowl experience like for you oh it was
1: incredible you know there was no pressure on me well there was a little pressure on me when i if i had to play but we all knew each other pretty darn well as far as um we were like a family the entire american football league so you when you got traded or ended up someplace else it wasn't like you're going to a strange place. You're going to a place where you knew the people. It was like a family moving from here to there.
0: You, you retire from football. You you become the Raiders receivers coach in 72. Had you talked to them while you were playing about becoming a coach?
1: Well, when I got released from the Raiders, uh, Al called me and gave me the regrets that that had happened, but he said that's the way, you know, this business is and blah, blah. I wasn't in the mood to talk. And he said, if there's ever anything, when you're done, come back and see me. So, when I was done, when I got released from the Chiefs, I asked for a release from Hank Stram. I still wanted to play. I thought I could still play, but obviously nobody else thought I could. So, I called Al, and he kind of showed me off. And then, pretty soon, he would call back. He had an opening the wide receiver coach and tight ends, and eventually, the quarterback. And um, so, I. I ended up coaching Fred Balutnikov, the guy that I threw his first pass to, uh, his first drop, his first touchdown, all of the above, and then ended up coaching him.
0: Wow, that's that's a full circle.
1: Yeah, it was. Then I ended up cutting him at the end.
0: <laughs> that's really full circle. <laughs> um, now your your first year '72, you had um, you had Cliff Branch come in. What, what was he like?
1: Fast, out of control, fast trying to do everything at mock speed i said cliff you can't do that when you glide you're gliding faster than most anybody in the world so we got to control your speed we got to slow you down a little bit so i worked on slowing him down so that he could track the ball better and make his cuts better and then when to turn it on there was a key get position to turn it on where the route is clear and then
0: do it that's really interesting. So you helped him, kind of. You kind of refined him a little bit.
1: Yep, yep.
0: How did you learn that John Madden was leaving and and you were going to be head coach? Was that was well, that something you expected or?
1: Well, I knew that John was on his last leg as far as coaching. He he was tired. Of Ten years. Uh, he had an ulcer, and that's a long time to coach
0: under that kind of pressure.
1: We all felt that this was probably his last year. And then, uh, you know, I threw my hat in the ring to be considered.
0: How many other people had their hats in the ring? Probably about five. About five? Yeah, I would think. I don't know exactly. What do you think got you the job?
1: Well, probably the fact that I knew Al. He knew me. Uh, He trusted me and uh, thought I could win for him.
0: Well, I mean, he was certainly right about that. And in... 1980, you lead the team to the Super Bowl. And what I think is really interesting about that was, you know, you had Stabler as your quarterback in 79, and then you had Pastorini at the beginning of 80, and then Plunkett comes in after Pastorini gets hurt. How did you navigate having three three quarterbacks? how, How different did you have to make the offense or
1: well nothing changed offense Plunkett had fit the system better than anybody pastorini just didn't fit the system or the philosophy behind it now, snake had been there and snake wanted to leave I, I would have never traded snake i would have kept i tried to keep him but he wanted to go and so i did that
0: which is kind of which is similar to uh bum phillips and dan pastorini's story was yeah
1: yeah um, but i said just to trade snake for a number one draft choice because Al said, no, we'll trade the snake for Pastorini. I said, no. And then we can get a number one for him later on. He said, why don't we do it right away? And he wouldn't do
0: it. Well, Pastorini gets hurt, and um, Plunkett becomes a QB. You said, you said he fit the system best, and, and he certainly had a resurgence. And what about him fit into the system well? Because he had his best years under you.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He certainly did. And But we let him, first of all, we picked him up. He was third-string, and we just let him recover from his injuries and learn our system quietly from the position of third-string quarterback, which he had never been in his life. And then in uh, 79, Snake and he battled it out. Actually, he, he had a better year than Snake did.
0: You know, the 1980 playoffs, you guys go in as a wild card, and I think that was the year you guys played Cleveland. One thing I noticed, you guys scored and took the lead, and then there was a kickoff return, and Chris Barr ended up making the tackle. Kicker. Mm-hmm. That was a big play that actually kept Cleveland from potentially scoring a touchdown on the kickoff return, and then you got the uh, interception in the end zone. Was that a coverage that you guys had set up to cover Newsome?
1: No. Actually, Mike Davis was the interceptor, and Mike couldn't catch. Anything. But, <laughs> but on that play, he caught it perfectly in his hands. The game was cold. It was 39 below the chill factor. And when we won the toss, I chose to defend because I didn't want to be going that one way at the end of the game where it was going to be frozen. We knew that. And uh, that helped us.
0: Oh, wow. So even on the opening coin toss, set that up for them to be on that side of the field later. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's smart coach in there, Coach.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. I like to think so.
0: Yeah, and then the Super Bowl, Super Bowl fifteen, you guys got out to a, a very quick start. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the play that made a fourteen and nothing was a flat pass to Kenny King, and and that was Plunkett. He was kind of in some trouble, and then he moved outside of the pocket and made that throw. Was that something you guys had designed? how did that play come about
1: no that's just something that you drill and your players if uh, the quarterback is in trouble and starts scrambling you change your route to compensate for where he's scrambling to and that's what happened to Kenny King he had a very simple route just went down the field about five yards to the sideline and uh, we were going to throw the ball up the field but Plunkett had the scramble and when he scrambled he scrambled his way and uh, Kenny King drifted down the field he caught it behind him went the rest of the way for the touchdown
0: and that was the uh longest touchdown in super bowl history at the time now in 83 you had just an incredible team
1: yeah we were good we were really good in 83. 80 was my favorite team because we did it the hard way with a bunch of guys that were on their last leg some you know had reached down and grabbed a little bit more and were able to play but in 83 we had players
0: yeah, I, I saw an interview with Al Davis, and he said that he thought that was the greatest Raider team ever.
1: I agree. I have to agree. You look what we had in the Pro Bowl, just on defense. Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes, Ted Hendricks, Rod Martin, Matt Millen. I mean, on and on.
0: Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And in the Super Bowl, you dominated every phase. And the first touchdown was a blocked punt that went into the end zone. Was that something you guys saw in film?
1: That's something our special teams coach Steve Ortmann saw, and so he called it early. It was so obvious; it was there was a gap we could uh, slant to, with an opportunity of that happening. It happened so quick. I said, "Whoa!" I I thought we <laughs> blocked it. We were on about the two yard line, but but it no so for touchdown. So I said, "Oh well, that's better yet." <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then and then, right near halftime, you had that Jack Squire play where he stepped.
1: That was planned because when we played them earlier that year, it was a high-scoring game. They would beaten us, like, 30s, 30, 37, 35. And right before halftime, they ran a screen to Washington. He took it all the way down to the uh, goal line. So we remembered it. And when the time came out right before halftime, we weren't going to take chances, so we just zoned up and put a man-to-man coverage on Washington. So everybody else was zoned except uh, Squire was playing man in Washington. And when Theismann saw zone, he didn't even look to see if the receiver was open. And he just threw the ball over there. It was just perfect. No, it wasn't exactly perfect. The stitching were off a little bit, but still, it was perfect enough for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a big touchdown before halftime. And, you know, the other memorable play for all fans, really, was was the Marcus Allen run in that Super oh, Bowl.
1: That was something. Marcus was at his best. He made another run, which was about a 5 guard run. That was just, you'd have to see it to believe.
0: Speaking of great running backs, the Raiders got Bo Jackson. How did that come about?
1: In the draft a year before, he told them not to draft him. They drafted him anyway. He held up under his stance, and we were trying to rebuild a little bit. When it came time, next year, 87 draft, when it came time for that, Al and I were sitting there, and he said, what do you think? We had talked about it before, drafting him. Right about that time, six, seven, eight. Just in case he changes his mind, so we threw out the carrot, and the carrot grew bigger. And Bo Jackson bit it and took it. And uh, man, could do something. We didn't even have him a full year. It would have been fun to have him for a whole, He and Marcus in the same backfield, huh? Wow.
0: Wow, it would have been just incredible. Well, coach. You were the starting quarterback, the original starting quarterback of the Raiders. You spent most of your career with the Raiders. Then you end up coaching for the Raiders uh, from the early '70s as an assistant through into the '80s. What is it like for you? What do you? What kind of goes through your mind Would you kind of, you know, you were there at the start of the team? Now they're you know, one of the most recognizable teams in sports, and, and you were there for the, the whole buildup of it.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to realize that, that the game has come to where it is. When we started out, no one was making any money. We we're happy. They would give us a lunch, especially us because we were the new league. Even the old-timers, they weren't doing that well uh, till now. And it's hard to believe that it's come to where it is now where players are making you
0: know, $10 million, $20 million a year. That's why I call it the name of, of my program is The Game Before the Money, because, mm-hmm. you know, I like focusing on, on you guys who helped who helped build the game and, and make it great. Um, yeah,
1: you know, we worked hard. I was I was a player rep, and uh, Jack Kemp and I were were involved in forming the AFL Player Association and getting insurance and getting the, retirement plans and all that stuff we worked on that and knowing that it would not affect us directly because what we were counting on is affecting the guys in the future and it did
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the game before the money podcast special thanks to coach tom flores for the interview be sure to visit the before for great football history articles. Transcriptions of some podcasts are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonix, S-O-N-I-X. Visit Sonix.ai to learn more about their automated transcriptions.